in the 21st century, the world searches for answers to the questions that really affect our lives. Does anyone know an anagram for gonad dream? To debate the topics that really matter. Star Trek is in a good place right now. Yeah, I can't agree with you on that one. And be brave enough to state the truth. Movies just don't end that way. Three men dare to face what others fear. James. Oh yeah, I, di- I didn't need that image. Jesse. Uh, I was thinking God or dog. Joash. I want Stan Lee to be the one to wield the Infinity Gauntlet and destroy Thanos. If you hunger for knowledge, if you thirst for wisdom, if you're looking for a podcast that will make all your wildest dreams come true, you've come to the wrong place. You're listening to The Anti-Matter Hour. Did, did you hit start? Did you hit the start button? Huh? I didn't just hit start. I hit launch. Did you start it up? No. Yeah. This is the st- this is the start button. Developers, 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 <laughs> developers. Yes. Welcome everyone to another week of the Antimatter Hour. I'm your de facto host for tonight, but first, let me introduce the other hosts that will be with me. Jesse, how are you this week? Uh, I'm started up. Mm, interesting. <laughs> he is to my left, I think, and then to my right, James, or who I like to call Jamie. How are you doing, sir? Yeah. Oh, okay. Excellent. That was weird. <laughs> huh. We'll just file that word away for later. I don't get it. <laughs> anyway, again, welcome everyone. Uh, it has been a little more than a week. Uh, unfortunately, uh, I was ill, and so we had to miss a week. But we are here now to talk about all things nerdy and antimatter hour e i guess were you ill or were you too busy illin i wish no i was just straight up ill or were you chilling like a villain you know speaking of villains last week we uh was the well i guess technically speaking last week would have been on penicillin yes (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we uh, last Monday uh, was Halloween. How was everyone's Halloween this year? A hundred percent uneventful. Um, we got like sixty or something. Uh, I counted, but I don't have the number in front of me. We had like between like forty-five to sixty trick or treaters. So it was uh, impressive because it was on a uh, night where there was uh, relatively like torrential rain. <laughs> was uh, was your district's uh, was your school district uh, also dark on Monday? Nope, I don't think so. Normal, That's, normal operation. Interesting because for for my kids, no school on Monday, which is the first that I've ever seen anything like that happen. So, 
Was that due to the weather or was it due to a trick? No, it was <laughs> It wasn't the weather because it was on the it was on the school calendar from the beginning of the year. So they they can't even give us the day after the Super Bowl off, and now they're given <laughs> they're closing school for the day after Halloween. We, we can't even get a federal holiday for elections. Whoop! That's too close to something that actually matters. Speaking of Halloween, <laughs> wait wait a segue back to the thing we were just talking about. <laughs> so Jesse, you were saying forty five to sixty. Is that is that pretty normal for for your household? Uh, I'd say in that range is kind of normal. Um, I don't think we've ever had less than that. Um, maybe we've had around that same number. Uh, we've had up to in the 60s or uh, maybe low 70s before. Uh, um, we're, we're here in this neighborhood uh, where there's like a lot of, uh, we're in row houses, so there's like a lot of doors uh, that are pretty close together. So it probably makes, and, and it's also like a, um, I guess you'd say like a probably technically like lower middle class, but we're like in a you know an area with a lot of like family income type. Uh, uh, so there's probably a lot of kids around here that would you know be able to hit door to door. There's like many, quite a few groups roaming the neighborhood. I've heard you know that there's you know probably several dozen groups of kids roaming this neighborhood during Halloween night. What do you? Uh, wh- uh, one of those houses handing out full-sized candy bars? Oh, you know it. Always the... Mm. Uh, not not like uh, king-size. Like, I think king-size is like a step up from like full-size, but uh, definitely like the full like like $1, you know, size candy bars or whatever. Any double dippers? Um, I didn't really go to the door very much, but I don't think so. We got the ring camera, uh, so uh, I can go back and examine the footage, but... Uh, you know, if they, well, we did have one where uh, um, Laura said that uh, they were brought back. Somebody had come to the door previously and then had gone and found their friends and then got them to come back. Uh, uh, but they didn't get extra candy. They just had their friends come to the door uh, to get candy uh, because they found that they, you know, knew that we were doing the big candy bars. I mean, it's the, <laughs> it's the good, ha- I mean, you know, it's the good spot. You bring your friends. So uh, no 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 egging your house then right? Yeah no we had uh, perfect uh, perfect behavior so yep really good. Were you handing out full size candy bars, Jamie? I was doing the same thing I do every Halloween. Uh, tur- tur- turning all the lights off in my house, uh, hunkering in a corner, uh, uh, with, with a baseball bat and just uh, you know, waiting for the dawn. I was I was gonna say huddling <laughs> huddling in a closet <laughs> with a. So every Halloween is like the purge for you. Is that what you're saying? Look, uh, uh, I just assume that somebody's going to try and purge. So I just get ahead of the curve then. <laughs> I was going to say huddling in the closet with anxiety medication. and Yeah, I'm, I'm like a dog. Uh, you know, so, so, you know, sometimes I hang out in the bathtub and just wait for it all to be over. So, so Jesse, when you say anxiety medication, you mean a bottle of bourbon, right? Yeah, right. Sure. <laughs> he means anxiety-inducing medication. <laughs> so, uh, any? How else did you guys celebrate Halloween this year? Do you want, were there any Halloween movies, you guys, or TV shows? Anything you guys? Well, like we discussed a bit in our last episode, I watched Hocus Pocus two, and uh, was disappointed afterwards. You said it was a good movie, didn't you? 
Yeah. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Yeah. I cannot tell you what the names of the main characters were. And I mean the protagonist, not the Sanderson sister. Well, I can I can say uh, based on uh, simply the name alone, Hocus Pocus uh, 2, uh, being that it's a sequel and has a kind of a lame name. <laughs> It, it it it's a name that it's a name that uh, leads me to believe that it's uh, for kids. Uh, would be my uh, the impression that I get. Would, would the fact that it's on D- uh, Disney Plus also indicate that it's for kids? Uh, I guess uh, yeah. it it probably isn't. Uh, well, also uh, I'll add to that. Also, I'm not typically like a Halloween movie person. Um, so those factors all taken together means I probably won't be watching that one. So you guys could, uh, if you want, you could give your review, but. Uh, it's not up. It's not up my alley. <laughs> it's just one of those sequels that is subject to sequelitis, where it tries to live up to the original and fails because it's just trying to do the same thing the original did. But in a, like, uh, how long? How long? How many years between the first and second? Oh, it's got to be at least twenty, if not more. Yeah, it reminds me of uh, the the latest Matrix movie, the uh, Matrix um, um, Resurrection. Res- oh, resurrection yeah so. where it's basically just oh let's just try and pay homage as much as we can to everything that came before well that that's what this movie did and it it should have just done its own thing it would have been better if it had i think interesting well i uh like i said i'm not normally a halloween movie person um i think the before this year i think the most recent halloween movie i'd watched was hubie halloween which we, I think we did a podcast on that a couple years ago, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and, of course, uh, to some extent, the uh, Stranger Things TV series. Is, but uh, this year, I did something that I've been meaning to do for a long time, and that is to, uh, uh, you know, I'm not, I, I have always been on a strict no-horror movie diet. Like, the closest thing I've ever seen to a horror movie is Event Horizon. Um, and it's not really a horror movie. It has some jump scares. I'd, I'd classify that as a horror movie. <laughs> well, I guess. Maybe it does have a little bit of like supernatural I mean, sort of stuff. A but bunch of people are sent to hell, basically. So, I mean, I think that yeah, counts. You remember okay. the end of that movie? That's pretty yeah, horrifying. I guess, I guess I considered it more of like a uh, sci-fi but I guess it's kind of a like it can be both. Like I guess yeah. Alien is a sci-fi horror. Yep. I mean uh, Jason X. Yeah. So <laughs> I guess I guess I had very I guess I should say I had very limited horror movie uh, background. But I'd been meaning for several years to get into like horror movies more, scary movies more. And this year I took the plunge and uh, I watched a bunch of scary movies, which I don't uh, plan on like doing deep dive reviews on any of them but i watched the exorcist uh the fly um it follows uh which is a more contemporary um one that's a kevin bacon one isn't it um i don't you mean like as a director or maybe uh i I might be thinking of something different uh i don't think he's in it if he is i didn't notice but um and then i also watched uh um kind of just a spur of the moment sort of binge watch the watcher on netflix which isn't um that was an interesting one but uh so no halloween movies you know from the franchise not yet uh I, i'm sort of uh 
you know, it's definitely one that'll have to, you know, watch to cover all my bases, but, uh, I just wanted to jump into a few sort of classics and also spread the, uh, kind of spread it around the genre a little bit. And, uh, you gotta at least watch the first Halloween because that's kind of the, the genesis of the slasher genre. Yeah. And then there's Halloween three, which, uh, one interpretation is that it's the Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift of Halloween movies. <laughs> so you should either start with it or just skip it entirely, uh, in my opinion, just because... It, well, if you want to do like a Halloween movie marathon, that is, uh, and and watch all the... all the um, Michael Myers? Yeah, all the Michael Myers ones. Noted. Th- three is an anomaly. I'll, I mean, I've already told you that. So whether you choose to watch them in sequence or what, that's up to you, but... Uh, that is that is to say that I, um that is not to say sorry that Halloween three is a bad movie. I think it's a good movie. It's just not what you would expect a Halloween movie to be. It's yeah. I'm not. I, I, I don't know the movie reviewing lingo. I, I liked it, is what I'm saying. That's all I can really tell you. Noted. Did did either of you see Werewolf by Night? Yeah, I th- did did do we not talk about that one before? Oh, okay, I thought we did. The uh, last time I the last time I asked uh a couple weeks ago neither of you had seen it yet. So. I still haven't um because I was getting caught up on other things. I I I suggest that you see it. I think you I think you will be surprised. What yeah. what about you, Jesse? What was your Yeah, I watched it. Um I felt uh I I enjoyed it. Uh it wasn't really what I expected, even after reading and kind of hearing a bit about what uh, what to expect. <laughs> um, so I guess either my uh, comprehension level is low, or it just uh, defied kind of uh, you know, uh, in uh, not I don't want to say like in bad ways, but uh, uh, because like I said, I did enjoy it, um, but it was uh, it was different. I mean it. Uh, Definitely had goals and uh, achieved some of them. I'm sure maybe achieved all of them. Uh, um, probably not something that I'm going to be like making a tradition uh, to watch or anything, but uh, it was definitely interesting. And and I mean, it had good. You know, uh, sorry, I should have <laughs> I should have qualified a couple other. Things. I mean, I did enjoy the uh, performances by um, uh, who was uh, Gail. Uh, uh, Garcia, or who, who was the uh, actor that I was thinking of that was in that? Uh, oh, um, good grief! It, uh, I, I, oh well, it doesn't matter. Uh, uh, but uh, the performances were good. Uh, they really uh, um, kind of uh, embodied. I don't know what the the genre would be called, but like it was like a sort of a retro. Jesse, uh, uh, were you thinking of Gail Garcia Bernal? Yeah, that's who I was thinking of. <laughs> um, yeah, he uh, he had a gr- good uh, a good performance in that uh, in the kind of leading role. Would you Would you say it's kind of schlock? Uh, a little bit, like um, so. Again, this is not my like wheelhouse, but um, it sort of reminded me of like the production value it was deliberately done in a way to remind you of old like a different vintage of like television you, yeah like universal movie so, monster that kind of thing right so but what it what it kind of uh 
the feel of it that I got was kind of like Adam's family or uh, what was the other, the Munsters kind of like, I mean, where everything was uh, black and white and special effects were uh, sort of kind of cheap, cheesy practical effects. And uh, Well, yeah, if you think of like uh, Bride of Frankenstein, you know, the old werewolf movie uh, uh, thing from the Black Lagoon, that sort of thing. But I, but I like the, um, it was a interesting, I mean, the story kind of uh, captures you a little bit, your imagination and uh, um, it, yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. Anyone watch uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show around Halloween? I've only seen Rocky Horror Picture Show one time, and it was in person at the Clinton Street Theater. Uh, um, That's the only time you've seen it? Yeah. Yep. Okay. I, I've, I've never seen Rocky Horror Picture well, okay, Show. Okay, well, so ah. we should... we should. Uh, I, I don't want to uh, derail the discussion too much, but we should make it a point at some time in the future um, to, as a group or uh, whatever head down to the Clinton Street Theater. I think it's on Friday or Saturday night. I can't remember which night of the week. But they have been running Rocky Horror Picture Show essentially like since it came out in theaters uh, every week. And they do like an interactive crowd uh, um, where it's a, what do you call it? Like just where it's an interactive, immersive experience. Uh, and if it's your first time there, you're compelled to participate. Well, I don't like the sound of that last part, but I did know that uh, we, uh, we being the greater Portland area, had uh, the a theater that was, I think, held the holds the record for the longest running uh, airings of the Rocky Horror Picture Show. They must do it on uh, like once a week, or is it? Yeah, every week. Okay, um, but it's just weird that that's your only exposure to it. Yeah. Instead of the movie first and then that. <laughs> right. And. Uh, I guess it's not that weird that you haven't seen it. It's it's a, one of those cult classic type of things. So oh yeah, I mean I've 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 heard about it several times. I've just never had the opportunity to see it. So okay, I mean uh, I I enjoy it. Um, I mean I'm just going to state right now that I won't sing along to anything that goes on in that. But it's a musical type of movie. Um, well, that's what you say now, but uh, get a few. Uh, uh, whiskeys in you and uh you'll be singing like a bird to date i've never had enough whiskey for that to happen so good luck <laughs> challenge accepted <laughs> my sister's uh your sister's my wife's your sister's birthday party on a couple of occasions uh has entered the chat <laughs> and uh would like to uh remind you of uh karaoke oh <laughs> Anyway, say Jesse, do you have any uh, video evidence of this? <laughs> I uh, you can get uh, eyewitness testimony. <laughs> that doesn't count. Not admissible. Any anything? Uh, so what? How how have things been going for you guys? Like Jesse, what's what's been going on the last week or so for you? I don't know. Uh, just uh, you know, life as usual. But we kind of got back to. Uh, routine of uh uh i've got back to my routine of hiking since the weather shifted uh i kind of took like a little bit of a uh, break uh because i was afraid of the rain uh <laughs> we live in we live in the northwest and it rains all the time but uh yeah the last two weeks i've got out and hiked on uh on my day off on tuesday 
and uh, sort of getting my uh, rainy season routine down, uh, which involves uh, more base layer. Um, uh, I have a new backpack, a day pack that uh, allows me to just stow a little bit more uh, gear so I can, you know, uh, gear up or gear down a little bit depending on the conditions. And um, so, yeah, that's been good. That's uh, kind of where I'm at. Any anything interesting that you've that you've watched or seen in the last week or so? Um, I guess. Uh, well, <laughs> uh, we're going to talk about Andor. I know, uh, um, and uh, uh, I don't really. Uh, I, I haven't really um, gotten too deep into any other shows. Um, but I did come across a funny um, something. I don't know if we have time. Um, a little tidbit that I saw on the internet about uh, 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 it's Prince Harry, right? Harry and Meghan Markle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Apparently, uh, Prince Harry uh, uh, was feeling down and out, uh, and uh, um, after they had kind of separated from the royal family, and but they've written a book, or he's written a book. And there's this passage in his book, uh, and I'll just I'll pound through it really quick uh, and just get your guys' reactions. Uh, uh, Megan and I had just decided to leave the royal family, and it was a really dark time for us. One day I was wandering down the streets of L.A., a 40 in one hand and a revolver in the other, ready to end it all, when I saw a building with a bright neon sign that said Hollywood Star Lanes. So I decided, fuck it, and went in. Inside, they were playing this game I'd never heard of called bowling. I guess it's pretty popular in America. You grab a big heavy ball and roll it towards a group of pins that you're trying to knock over. When you're in the bowling alley, everything else fades away, and there's just the sound of balls rolling down the lanes and pins falling over. It's like yoga, but for cool, tough guys. Needless to say, I was hooked. Bowling saved my life that day. That's all kinds of bullshit. That is the most entitled... Horseshit! I have ever heard in my life. <laughs> well, first of all, I don't believe that uh, Pr- Prince Harry wrote that because pretty sure bowling originated in his country. <laughs> it probably did. Uh, I'm also pretty sure he's never had a 40. No, 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 no. Actually, I think that's wrong. I think it, I think bowling could only have uh, only have originated in Sheboygan, Wisconsin. <laughs> uh, I don't know why. It just <laughs> just never mind. I, I have no idea. I. Uh, uh, but yeah, Josh. I mean, yeah. There's no way that Prince Harry knows what a forty is. Uh, where he would get a gun? I mean, a, a re- what do you say, revolver? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't think pe- the people around him would let him have a gun. But I don't know. Maybe it's different for royalty. That, that but sounds, when he's when he's in the states, he's not. Ro- uh, uh. That sounds like fan fiction. I know. <laughs> I just. I. I. I uh, it's not really our wheelhouse, uh, but it's something that was just too stupid and funny uh, that I couldn't pass it up. Bowling saved my life. Bowling has never saved anything. You know what? That actually sounds like something that would come out of a Weird Al movie, is what it sounds like. Every time, uh, all I think of when I think of bowling is, uh, A, it's fun uh, to go drink uh, uh, beer and eat nachos and go bowling. And then, but I think of that guy, uh, um, he's a professional bowler. I think he's... uh, Maybe he's kind of on the backside of his career right now, but uh, he won recently. His name's Pete Weber. 
He's famous for like his just over the top like intense celebrations when he wins. He like flexes and like pumps his fist and does like the Hulk pose and like uh and just like you can see veins popping out of his uh and and he's a bowler like <laughs> wow. I I could I could believe that bowling saved his life possibly. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but in order for you to believe that bowling saved Prince Harry's life, uh there'd have to be something in the news of Prince Harry it just basically dedicating his life to bowling or something along those lines. I also love the fact that Prince Harry is married to Meghan Markle and Meghan Markle has to read that it was bowling that saved his life. Not <laughs> not her. Not his marriage to her. Not his children. It was bowling that saved his life. Also, I'd just like to throw out there that uh, Prince Harry uh, is either royalty or former royalty, depending on the circumstances. He still gets a stipend from right. the royal family. What I'm getting at is I don't give a shit about him. So, uh, cool story, but move right. on. let's move wow. on. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so, Jamie, how about you? Any any new things happen this week for you? Well, I threw a little party. Oh, yeah. There was that. I mean, all the, all the cool people were there. Uh, wait, hold on. Were you there, Josh? Mm, yeah. Oh, you were there. Wait, were you there, Jesse? Uh, I don't remember. I might have had uh, too much fun and blacked out at the party. That sounds about right. Well, let me put it this way. I don't know if I was there, but Chewbacca with a Hawaiian shirt showed up. Chewbacca on vacation was totally there. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I threw a little party. Um, it's the sort of thing that I've done... Uh, I took a bit of a hiatus for undisclosed reasons, but I I did I, I, I typically do these things about once a year, just a little game night. Throw uh, invite some friends and family, try to have some sort of central cohesion involved, like a theme or a a game or something like that. In this case, I it decided to have it coincide with the release of the uh, the recently released movie Weird, the Al Yankovic story. On Roku. Roku channel. Um, free, free, free on Roku. Yeah, so I threw a weird a weird party and uh, just encouraged people to express themselves however they saw fit, basically. Um, you, you know, Like you mentioned, Josh, you showed up dressed as Chewbacca in a Hawaiian shirt, which I thought was pretty good. Though I think the I gave the prize to uh, a friend, uh, Aaron and his wife, who showed up and what it's it's really hard to describe how they showed up. I, I mean, it it was it was out there. It was weird. Yeah, I mean, it seemed like sort of uh, um, a caricature of vintage '90s outfit, maybe. Well, I, the thing is, that I don't think there was any like homage or anything going on. I mean, Aaron, for example, I didn't realize this until later in the evening. Uh, he was wearing two different shoes, one of which was a Croc. Yeah. Um, I didn't notice, but he was he was wearing like a, a button down colored shirt with the belt on the outside of the shirt. I noticed that, and his and pajama pants and a hat worn at a jaunty angle. The hat, the, <laughs> the the hat and the pajama pants were what I was going for with the '90s thing because uh, that seemed like the sort of baggy uh, like pants uh that were sometimes worn like in high school when i was in high school <laughs> yeah but the belt on the outside of a collared shirt almost had a bit of a pirate like a pirate of penzance kind of yeah. feel to it yeah and that yeah so uh and his wife i honestly the specifics of what she was wearing is are escaping me but it was equally as weird 
Uh, and so I gave them both the prize, uh, which is va basically the same thing that happened the last time I threw one of these parties, which is I, I typically do these just a little after Halloween. And the last time I threw one of these parties, uh, they showed up in their in, in Halloween costumes. And Aaron had his face painted. As a skeleton, I believe. Right, and and t uh, like Tally was a cat or something. Yeah, like that. yeah. Uh, so oh, yeah. they they that. always fully fully commit to the theme. So, uh, so Which, good on them. Good on them. Definitely gave them the prize for that. But then you know we we played some games, board games, and um, when I when I throw parties, I uh, I like to throw uh, I like to have games involved, and I like to have prizes involved. To me, that those two are essential. Uh, and then, um, I still criticize myself for you know, not having like a cohesive creative in effort involved. Basically, uh, we all played a bunch of different board games. Um, one of the more notable ones was, uh, I can't remember if we discussed it before, but trial by trolley, uh, we played, which, um, I don't know if we need to discuss that here, but look it up. It's, it's, it's a fun game. And then the prizes, I tried to make them as weird uh, owl-themed as possible. And if if I couldn't make them weird owl-themed, I just tried to make them weird. So uh, one of the prizes was 200 square feet of aluminum foil. I thought that was weird. Yep. Also, really strangely, a little bit more uh, you know desirable than I thought it was. Uh, people were wanting that. I mean, you get to our age, and it's it's the practicality that comes into play. I use a lot of foil. I also had a, a pretty decent uh, KitchenAid spatula set, which... Uh, was pretty cool. Spatula City. Yeah, Spatula City. What about uh, what about food and snacks? Oh, so uh, I had my own ideas of some food to provide um, as, as sort of like a base layer. I provided some pizzas. The weirdest thing I could think to do was to order from a brewery nearby rather than like a Domino's type of thing. Uh, they were good pizzas. And then, um, of course, I had to provide um, some Twinkie Wiener sandwiches to people, which let me tell you, I don't know, I don't know how many people out there listening to this, uh, to all who are listening. <laughs> to, uh, to those of you in the listening audience. <laughs> I don't know if, uh, how many of you have tried a Twinkie Wiener, san a Twinkie Wiener sandwich? Uh, or how many of you have seen somebody try a Twinkie Wiener sandwich? But let me tell you, um, you, eat, you, you, you eat one of those, and your reaction is going to be this, the, exactly the same, regardless of who you are. You, you're going to eat it, you're going to pause, and then you're going to utter the words, interesting. And then uh, you're going to move on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was not nearly as bad as I uh, thought it was going to be. And I have to say... That if you cooked the hot dog, I think it would have been actually a step better. It came pre-cooked. It said I heated it up a little bit. It was an Oscar Mayer I think, wiener. I think I think Jesse means hot. They get they get they do taste different when they're hot. They I, I can definitely uh, say that. I can always I can always recommend you want a hot wiener. <laughs> uh, well, anyway, I made uh, I made five of them. I cut them in half, so there were ten samples. Uh, five of those were gone by the end of the night. Nobody, nobody went back for seconds. Let's just say. <laughs> <laughs> but it was nice. Uh, I encouraged people to, uh, like I said, express themselves. And some people brought uh, some weird dishes. 
Uh, my cousin Wendy brought, um, I don't know what it's, what you would call it. Like a grape Grape salad. salad. Yeah. Yeah. And I've described it as weird. It was good, but it was weird. Um, and yeah, I mean. Blueberry daiquiris. Oh, right. Of course. Uh, if you uh, want to look up Weird Al and drinks, you won't find a lot because Weird Al doesn't himself drink too much. Uh, but if you look up UHF and drinks, the only real drink of note is the blueberry daiquiri. And Josh brought fixins for blueberry daiquiris, so that was nice. Yeah, if you use fresh ingredients, you'll... I mean, look, it's a daiquiri, and you add fruit to it. it you can't really mess that up too too badly, so... I guess, but I mean, I mean, it was good. I mean, I I, I had one, and yeah. lots of people had them. Um, yeah, so it was good. Thank you for that. Uh, and then beyond that, it was just a, basically just a game night. I tried to... I threw up UHF on the TV for a while, and then uh, somebody turned it off while I was away. <laughs> <laughs> I threw up uh, some uh, Weird Al songs on the on the speakers I have throughout the house, but I got some negative comments on that pretty quick. Uh, so let's just say that some of the some of the people that showed up, uh, I I definitely appreciate them showing up. They may not have showed up for the weird reasons. Did they know they were coming to a Weird Al party. Well, I tried to make that clear. I mean, I, I have a, a, a poster of Weird Al on the wall over there. Actually, I have two on the wall. Uh, we were serving utensils out of a Weird Al mug. Um, I tried to make it we- as weird as I could. I mean, you you kind of dressed as Weird Al. Well, I was wearing uh, the Weird Al shirt that I got when I'm going to see a Weird Al concert. I had a Hawaiian shirt on over that. I was wearing a wig, a curly-haired wig. <laughs> Uh, my aunt once referred to me as Goldilocks at once at one point in the evening, <laughs> <laughs> and then I took it off shortly thereafter. <laughs> but it was a fun it was a fun night. For me, the only thing the, there were a couple things. One, uh, I was proud. Sunday was my first day brewing beer. I'd recently gotten a, uh, a, a beer brewing kettle. And you guys were kind enough to lend me uh, some equipment with that as well. I brewed, I brewed a holiday ale. Uh, if you were follow Antimatter Hour uh, at Twitter, so at Antimatter Hour, you would have seen my beer log posts that uh, detailed my uh, adventure throughout the day. So that's that's in the basement right now. Uh, we want photos next time. Uh, well, okay, fine. <laughs> I, I I did put one photo up of the of the kettle. On on Sundays we brew. No, we want photos of. Uh, you need to get a, a camera person to. I see. We want uh, photos, or even better, video of you. Uh, you know, like comically, like grabbing the kettle and then like singeing your hands because it's too hot, and then dropping it, and then. Slipping, slipping on the wet floor, you know, with that sound effect that Hanna Barbera cartoons have. Yeah, basically, we want we want that. I'd have to put pants on then. Oh, oh, you know what? I can't, I'm not going to ask another man to wear pants. <laughs> so uh, that also um, this week I saw. So one of the one of the things I've noticed uh, as a stay at home dad, it's always nice because. If I happen to be folding laundry or something like that, I get to watch my stories. And this week, my story that I got to watch was The Godfather 2, The Godfather Part 2. I'd never seen it before. I was going to say, that's one of the movies on the list, right? Boom. And 
and one of Jesse's favorite movies. I I gotta say, uh, one of the finest pieces of cinema I've ever seen. Uh, I yeah, I it's 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 difficult to describe the uh, confluence of of perfection where you have cinematography, you have score, you have production value, you have acting all coming together to create this like perfect storm of a movie. But yeah, uh, first time seeing it was not disappointed at all. And uh, I want to see Godfather part three simply because I feel like it, I, I feel like I owe Scorsese that, even though I understand that it is it is considered the lesser. You should skip straight to the what's that uh, coda. You should skip to the Godfather coda instead of the original. I think it's just a different cut, but it's. Uh, I, I would say this about the Godfather Part Three is it's aged a lot better than than you know what people originally had thought of it. I think at least for, in my experience. But yeah, I I want to see it. Unfortunately, the only place that you can see it right now is on Fubo, which I don't understand. You can't even get it on Apple TV. Huh. So I have to wait until it comes out on some streaming service where I can rent it. But yeah. But you you should skip straight to The Godfather Coda. Uh, Full disclosure, I haven't seen that particular version. But my understanding is it's kind of like... I think it's like Coppola's cut. Instead of watching like uh, Superman two, the the theatrical release, oh, seeing the, watching the Donner cut, the Donner first, cut. yeah. My my opinion, it's kind of like that, from what I understand, and I think based off of that analogy, it would be better to do that. I can see if that's available somewhere. It's difficult to know. Um, uh, <clears throat> semi related, uh, not exactly uh, Godfather, but um, uh, I'm in a podcast right now called. Um, mobbed up it's uh um it's produced by the mob museum in las vegas um and it's there's two seasons right now i'm on the first season but uh, i've been listening to it uh uh for a little while in just between uh i listen to a lot of podcasts but between other podcasts and it's uh uh i i don't really like identify necessarily with mob movies but but you are never disappointed by like a good mob story um and mobbed up the podcast is essentially it's a narrative of the mob history in Vegas but to make it all make sense they branch out into other um sort of areas of the mob history um so it you know once once you're through with you know whatever getting caught up on mob movies i would recommend the mobbed up uh, podcast i'll have to check it out i mean the i think what what I feel connected with specifically within the within the timeline of the Godfather is the sense that you know like I mean one of the beautiful things about the Godfather Part Two is that it clues you into like it it, it kind of it's a it's a bookend to the first movie uh, on both sides you it it bookends the first movie is what I should say where you have the 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 up and coming you know kind of the raising of and the 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 maturation of Vito Corleone from his time in Corleone Italy 
to the point where, you know, he's just left Corleone, Italy after revisiting it and avenging his father's death to Michael Corleone and his, uh, his, I guess, kind of, uh, reestablishing the, the, uh, like holding on to the the fam the the family being the dawn of the Corleone crime family, but this idea that it was almost America that created mob uh, life, because you know the Italians were segregated into this into this society where they had to basically kind of fend for each other and take care of each other and that's what Vito was was he was the guy who basically took care of you know hey look I'll look after you if you just return the favor and I'll make sure that you're okay and then eventually all of a sudden America was like no you can't you know you can't live that way by taking care of your own because it's against the law even though up until that point, America, the government, so to speak, basically didn't care and took advantage of that that kind of sect of society. And that's what led to them having to kind of fend for themselves. I don't know if I'm making much sense right now, but it, I, I, I connected with it in the in the way where it was like, look, if you know, I'm living here, but you basically are kind of walking over me so we have to take care of our own and we're going to do that even if it's outside of the bounds of what you allow us to do that sort of thing that was deep man um, i know i know i'm sorry i uh i think you're i think you're on the right path there uh, i'd also recommend seeing uh once upon a time in america if you haven't already i haven't even heard of that before I don't know if I would describe it as a mob movie per se. It's a more of an immigrant tale. It's right? a Scorsese thing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Once upon a time in America. Yes, not to be confused with Once Upon a Time in the West, which is a Western. This is a, yeah, I think Jesse's right. It's an immigrant movie, but it's, it, while not mob based, sort of, I don't know. There's some parallels, I'd say. Uh, I mean, it's Scorsese, so you know it's going to be good. Um. Yeah, I think I think one of the greatest successes of The Godfather is that to a certain extent it being a crime family is kind of tertiary to it just being a family. Well, they're like the, I I guess what I mean is the crime is tertiary to it being a family. Like it's not about people who it's it's not a story about people who want to do crime for the sake of doing crime. It's a story about a family that is trying to maintain uh, a sense of self and identity of taking care of one's own and being willing to break the law in order to do so. There, yeah, the, it's it's about the definition of family. Yeah, is it is it just the 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 people involved, or is it the sort of uh, I guess infrastructure that sort of supports it and. Uh, yeah, I've always described The Godfather uh, as a family, a movie about a family. Yeah, I just, I, I mean, you know, I'd seen The Godfather and 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 knew of its greatness based on that, 
anyway, it was just I don't know. It's just one of those one of those kind of privileges of being a stay at home dad is that, you know, I can I can do my chores while also watching one of, you know, cinema's greatest films of all time, basically. So that was uh, that was a pleasure. Speaking of pleasures, we mentioned it a couple times, but we've all by now seen the weird movie. Uh, yeah, I guess we all have. What uh, What are your guys' feelings on it? Was it what you expected? Was it good? How do you How do you guys How did it measure up for you guys? Well, um, since it's so new, I'm just gonna throw a spoiler alert out there. Um, in case I mentioned anything that's a little bit too spoilery, but, uh, I guess the main thing for me is, um, I mean, I knew it was going to be a parody of a biopic. I knew it wasn't going to be an actual biopic. So that wasn't a surprise. And I knew that Evan Rachel Wood played Madonna and that the movie would basically feature a, uh, um, a a sort of a thing between Weird Al and Madonna that didn't actually reflect reality. Um, but I was surprised at just how far down uh, the parody rabbit hole things went because <laughs> it didn't just stop with, oh, Weird Al's a, uh, you know, a um, stereotypical, uh, you know, a, a musician who gets a taste of fame and just it goes to his head. No, no, it, go, it goes a little bit further than that. Uh, I mean, at one point he's fighting uh, like commandos in Cuba or, or wherever it was and uh, it gets a little, it gets off the rails, which uh, I think is appropriate for a Weird Al movie. So I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah, I I enjoyed it too. It was funny, and um, the um, the interludes and the little uh, they did little uh, kind of vignettes that uh, explained uh, in at least in this uh, movie's universe how he came up with the uh, all the parody songs, you know his most famous songs. Uh, the songs were great. Um, I was, I was e- even fully knowing it was a parody. I was still a little uh, turned off by how uh, uh, sort of over the top and aggressive the uh, depictions of the, even though they were, I knew they were fictional. Uh, of uh, certain characters were uh, like the relationship with the parents uh, and uh, with Madonna, but those are the two main ones. But um, uh, it didn't take away very much from my enjoyment. Uh, it was just, I understand, it was just a uh, choice of how to, uh, uh, you know, like you said, sort of pay homage to, uh, you know, his style and career. So, uh, One of the weirdest scenes in the movie was that whole pool party uh, scene. Uh, who was Jack Black playing again? Uh, Wolfman Jack, I think. The famous disc jockey. Okay. Yeah. But the whole pool party, I mean, you had uh, you had uh, uh, cameos. Uh, I don't even know who all the cameos were, uh, but I know that uh, Conan O'Brien had a, a cameo. Well, he played um, the artist. Uh, uh, oh, gosh. <sighs> well, uh, Andy Warhol. Andy Warhol. Thank you. Yeah. But uh, um, Paul, Paul, Paul Rubens was there. P.B. Herman was, uh, I think, was played by <laughs> one of the members of Lonely Island. 
Yeah, and I mean, then uh, Paul F. Tompkins played Gallag- uh, Gallagher. Gallagher. Yeah. <laughs> yep. There was somebody playing Salvador Dali there. Oh, that was Emo Phillips. Oh, right, Emo Phillips, of course. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he was there, and uh, a handful of others. I'm, I'm sure I'm forgetting a whole bunch. But that whole pool party, pool, pool party uh, scene was just insane. Uh, but uh, yeah, the. Uh, Josh, you and I watched that movie together uh, as it happens the same night uh, you know, of my of my weird party. Nobody else wanted to stick around and watch it. I guess it was a little bit late or, or whatever. Or they were weirded out by that point. But you and I watched it, and uh, <laughs> I was laughing through most of it. Um, I think we both were, yeah. Um, just, uh, I mean, I just... There's just so many parts of it that I just really loved. I mean, <laughs> when uh, uh, I mean in reality, uh, Weird Al did start playing the accordion due to a door-to-door salesman. But in the mo- in the movie, the, there's a door-to-door salesman selling accordions. Uh, but um, uh, his father caught him, right? Yeah. yeah, and just started beating him up right there in the house and. Uh, uh, the poor guy just just being <laughs> beaten up right there in the house, <laughs> spitting up blood, and while the uh, Weird Al and his mom were having a family moment, and <laughs> uh, just uh, anyway, just uh, how they recommend it. Uh, yeah, I I would say that uh, if you are at any in any way a fan of Weird Al and any of his music, especially his original stuff. You will you will find it endlessly entertaining. I mean, it, it should be enough to know that Daniel Radcliffe plays Weird Al in this movie. That should be enough to pique anyone's curiosity. <laughs> there, there shouldn't be there shouldn't be a need to describe it any further than that. I mean, I mean, Daniel Radcliffe is playing Weird Al, and not only that, but Daniel Radcliffe, like he he did not phone this in. No, 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 no. He committed to the role. Yeah. I mean, he didn't sing the songs, uh, I mean, because that's Weird Al's job, but uh, he wasn't just half-assing it. I mean... No, he he put effort into this. Well, I, I think Daniel Radcliffe just happens to be a, a, a Weird Al fan. I don't know how long he's been a Weird Al fan, but I think at the, at the least you could say is that in the course of filming this, he became one. Pro- probably. I think also just, you know, if you look at Daniel Radcliffe's most recent movie roles and even play roles he he does stuff that he wants to do and i think part of that is just because he can because he's still getting massive royalties off of you know being harry potter so he's an actor who is not or uh, perhaps refuses to be typecast into a role yeah he'll do whatever and uh he i mean yeah he excels at this one so um good movie also just spoiler alert weird al's in this movie uh in a small role uh keep an eye out for that before moving on to our next topic any uh anything else that you guys have seen recently any uh shows that you've watched movies you've watched that you feel are important to uh to kind of introduce or bring out to other people I'm having a having trouble remembering when I saw Black Adam in the theaters, but I did see Black Adam in the theaters. I don't remember if I've mentioned it in the last podcast or not, but I saw it in the theaters. I liked it. 
and I know there's some debate about it. Uh, I know, some people think that the you know the Rock or uh, Dwayne Johnson like wasn't the best casting choice, even though if it wasn't for him, the movie wouldn't have been made because he's all gung ho about Black Adam. But I think it was really good. I think uh, I, I it, it, we don't have time for this right now. But if uh, if we were to talk about DC's cinematic efforts, I'd have a lot of negative things to say. But I think Black Adam is one of the positive things. I think it's I think it's good. It's not perfect, but I think it's good, and I think it's worth watching. So, uh, with that being said, why don't we move on to tonight's final topic? Which happens to be Andor. Is everyone's caught up? Is that true? I just watched the episode ten. Yeah, episode ten uh, just came out yesterday, or technically today. But yeah. After yeah, min- I watched it at, at a little after midnight because I heard good things and I wasn't disappointed. One way out. So yeah, er, uh, when we first mentioned Andor uh, a few episodes ago, I hadn't I hadn't watched it. Uh, I was busy watching other things. I hadn't gotten caught up, but. At this point, I've gotten caught up. I. Uh, how many episodes does it take to uh, watch uh, f- to watch in order to consider it binging? Well, I think it's just if you consume everything at once that's available. I, I think I don't know. I would say more than three episodes in a day. Okay. Well, I, I think I watched three in a day, so I, I came close to binging the in order to get caught up with Andor. In my opinion, uh, it, there's. It's kind of like a roller coaster. Uh, there, it reaches some peaks uh, in terms of like you know action and interest, and then it sort of has a little bit a, a, a little bit of a lull, and then it picks up again, slight lull, picks up again. Uh, which that vague description, I guess, fits most shows, or at least most good ones. <laughs> um, well, it's it's specifically written in a way, and they actually it was fairly widely. Uh, publicized ahead of time that it was going to be specifically written in a few smaller story arcs that would each encompass a particular period of time in Andor's, uh, casting Andor's life. So, uh, I mean, so far, I think through episode 10, we've concluded three of those story arcs approximately. Um, and that would be, uh, I don't know if we want to get into like full episode breakdowns, but, you know, the first one was essentially setting a baseline for his existence, um, culminating in his uh, uh, escaping and reason for leaving uh, Ferrix, um, the conditions, you know, setting those conditions. The second story arc was uh, uh, essentially him... Um, kind of dipping his toe into the rebellion, I guess you would say, and uh, culminating in a, essentially like a bank heist sort of sort of thing. And then um, a slight interlude that was just sort of resetting the chessboard a little bit. And then the third episode was, uh, I don't really see necessarily how it progressed him through the rebellion but a little bit of i guess uh, i guess actually the third episode was uh establishing his motivation for uh uh the third arc i should say yeah establishing his motivation for uh future rebellious activity i guess well the which culminated in the prison break sorry (laughs) 
the last few epi- the last few episodes, and I forget if it's is it three or is it four. I think it's three. The 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 arc as you as you said, Jesse, the whole prison break thing. Um, I think it's three. Yeah, basically just drives home as if we needed it. The sort of attitude of the empire. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean through their through uh, Andor's and everyone, uh, the people he interacts with uh, activities in that. Um, I'm I'll call it a prison, but it's really more of a factory or a workhouse or something. Um, it's kind of a chain gang sort of situation. I suppose. But uh, where, whatever... This uh, is like a slave labor camp. The, faci- yeah. the labor facility camp. that they're in, uh, uh, we get it. I mean, the fact that he was basically picked up and given six years for nothing at all uh, and then forced into you know, hard labor, and then we learn that uh, sentences are being honored and uh, this, 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 this piece of legislation... Uh, the public order resentencing directive right that basically just ensures a continuing slave labor yeah and it's interesting because you mentioned how it was six years for basically nothing i think the what they were driving home is that his heist led to this increase in stranglehold in sentencing yeah the where, empire wanting to place a stranglehold on rebellious activity yeah because because uh, you know the person that sentenced sentenced him had said well previously this would have been a six-month sentence but now it's six years it's kind of like um uh if you think of it like i mean you can connect it to all sorts of real world in our world sort of things but it's kind of like saying like oh if uh somebody uh, you know a wealthy person walking down the street got their pocket picked uh the local police uh, or whatever would uh, maybe respond by uh, cracking down by, uh, you know, just randomly picking up anybody in the vicinity and uh, sending them to jail and, uh, you know, being very hard on people for no good reason. Uh, And that was the goal. That was the entire goal of the rebellion at that point was to force the empire, knowing how they would react force them to take these drastic measures and uh would that would foment foment additional uh resentment and rebellion yeah that's what we're coming to appreciate the um what's the uh what's the character's name the 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 guy that's that scarsgard yeah he's known uh by the uh uh, Imperial uh, IB Imperial Bureau yeah, Security ISB ISB uh, they know him as Axis but he's knows yeah. he's known as um, what is his name on there the, the broker or something like that anyway uh, his character uh, basically made it quite clear um, in the last episode I think it was or was it the epi- it was the last episode right uh, when he was uh, meeting with the, the guy on the bridge. Oh, that's yes. this episode. That was the last episode. Oh, Lu- yeah. Luthen. Sorry, Luthen. Yeah. Anyway, it made it quite clear that the whole point of this stage of the rebellion is to force the Empire's hand, is to... What's happening uh, is what they want to happen. They they want them to... Uh, they, they want the Empire to crack down and uh, because in doing so, they'll stir more strong feelings uh, in the populace of the galaxy. Resentment, yeah. Uh, that's their hope anyway. That's their plan. And um, 
at least Skarsgård's character will just do whatever it takes to do that, even if you know, he has to sacrifice his own humanity to do it. Uh, and whoever else happens to come along. Meanwhile, uh, Andor is experiencing things firsthand himself for the first time, the brutality and the single-mindedness of the Empire. And he, I'm sure he's going to come out of this uh, you know, with a different perspective than he had you know, at the beginning of the series. And this, the development arcs that are going on in the series, I think, exceed anything we've seen in pretty much any other Star Wars-related movie or TV series. It's just insane. Uh, just the world building that's going on, and I'm. Uh, do we do we know uh, at this point, one how many episodes this series will have, this season will have, and two are there going to be other seasons? Um, I, I I'm to understand that it's a twelve episode series. Okay. Uh, I mean, see, uh, this season and two two uh, seasons are planned, so one more season of twelve episodes. I, I thought it was three in total. It could be. I, I heard. I think I heard two, but it, it could be uh, three. Um, but yeah, it's <clears throat> it's uh, it's incredible because uh, for a number of reasons. Because I guess uh, B- uh, Disney, being um, a mega sort of corporation, uh, benefiting from uh, capitalism and uh, and the system. Uh, I mean. I guess we're not really supposed to get too serious about things, but it's, it directly applies to the show being made. Um, I found a quote that basically describes <laughs> my feelings uh, and thoughts almost perfectly. If it's uh, if you don't mind, if I uh, share, um, I don't mind. From uh, Metaplex Movies on uh, Twitter, um, he said, "Andor, uh, this this basically is exactly, perfectly and concisely what I think about the show." Andor, uh, uh, he's surprised that Andor uh, is um, being made by Disney and they're allowing a series so fiercely anti-cop, anti-prison industrial complex and skeptical of government to actually get made. Tony Gilroy made a series depicting how close space fascism is to our reality and I can't believe he got away with it. (laughs) And that's that's really what, I mean, the show... uh, you know, as close as close, the quality of the show is is based on how how well they're um, just connecting you and, and grounding it in uh, like how this person goes about their day and what their job is like and what their family is like and and why they do the things they do. And it's not all about heroes; it's about like everyday people uh, just going to work. You know. And you might you might work in the empire, and uh, you know, and for half of the series so far, you're intended to like sort of root for and, and get behind and feel like you sympathize with this uh, terrible person because they're just a woman in the workplace that are you know sort of being uh, marginalized and not listened to because maybe because they're a woman, but she's so good at her job that you. You know, you're encouraged to like think like, oh, I hope she gets over on this and you know cracks the case, and and then all of a sudden you find out that uh, that she's a torturous. You know, she's torturing a, a person to, and and will hang an innocent person in the town square just to progress her own uh, you know goals a little bit. I mean, that's a good point. The Andor isn't just about Andor and the growth of the rebellion. It's also the 
adaptation of the Empire to the Rebellion. And I cannot remember uh, the character's name that you just referred to. Um, Dedra Miro. That's her character's name? Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, she's you know detected this rebellious tendency amongst um you know in her job and then she's she's pushing forward in her role in the ISB and uh you know she's accused of being just oh you're um uh you're, you're too ambitious oh yeah over ambitious and whatever uh but you know she's reluctantly we have to admit that she's very good at her job um, and she's doing what she's been tasked to do just fine, uh, you know, exceedingly well. And she'll probably excel in the empire if she doesn't get killed at some point. Um, and so we, 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 we start, we start out like, sort of like, Oh, our, our, we should probably root for this character because she's sort of the underdog in the empire. But then as she grows slowly, but surely she crosses the line into, wait a second. Uh, she's becoming the enemy here. Um, um, and then at, at one point she de- she absolutely crosses that line, and now we're like, okay, um, now she's the enemy and she's evil, and we want her to, su- you know, suffer the uh, you know the, the fate that we want the the whole empire to suffer. So we'll see what happens. It's I think one of the most incredible things about this show is the fact that it takes two sides that up until now in Star Wars have been so clearly defined, so clearly separated, uh, and brings them to a place where it's not about, uh, it's not about, you know, you have people that are evil and you have people that are good. It's more like you have people that are on either side and believe in something that they think is good and are willing to do things that, they know are bad in order to achieve the thing that they think is good. You you have Skargard's monologue on that bridge, which is basically him saying, I hate the fact that the only thing I can do in order to bring about the good that I want is to do the evil that the people I hate are doing. You know, the, and, and, and like what you were talking about, Jamie, with, um, with Deidre, you know, she's a person that believes in order. That's kind of this whole idea about people who work for the Empire. I believe in order. I believe in law. And yet they are willing to do things that are underhanded and even maybe go against some of the rules in order to bring about that order and that sort of thing. Well, you also have Mon Mothma, who is uh, more, probably more insulated than anybody else involved from uh, all the events and yet you know she's participating in the rebellion um i don't know that we fully appreciate her motives yet at this time but i think we're, we're getting a sense of them but i don't know if we fully appreciate why she's going to these lengths yet um and you have i i, I don't remember their characters names either but you have the other members of the rebellion uh mon mothma's cousin that showed up that's a fell that was uh, the same woman from that was leading the attack on the um, Aldani. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and the, the, they basically have been tasked with seeking out and killing uh, Cassian Andor. Um, but uh, we're also getting a sense of how uh, the, these are basically cells operating in a, in a 
in, a, in, a, in, a, in an effort where nobody really appreciates or understands fully what the other cells are doing. And so it's, it's getting very complicated uh, because we're starting, to get, we're, we're starting to see some efforts on the side of the rebellion that we don't quite like. Um, you know, that we're not, I mean, we're obviously not rooting for them finding and killing Cassie and Andor. I mean, we know that's not going to happen. Um, and there's, there's, there's a dark side, so to speak, to the rebellion as well. Uh, so in, in the form of a, ne a sort of a necessary evil, as, uh, some would put it. And it's just very complex. Yeah. The show's so good that, uh, some of the best parts of the show, uh, um, namely uh uh Fiona Shaw from the first uh the first story arc uh his essentially adoptive mother yes and Forrest Whitaker uh oh uh, right from, uh, he showed up from uh, the from the brief I went Saul Guerrero yeah Saul Guerrero uh character in one of the central in the I think the interstitial sort of uh episode have sort of just been almost swallowed by just oh in the uh uh Cyril Karn uh the antagonist uh from the first arc have all sort of just fallen to the I wouldn't say been forgotten but they've you know they were some of the best parts of the series so far and they're not even like the most interesting not even like in the top five most interesting or noteworthy things to talk about the one thing that I've noticed uh um, this, I mean, so we've, I think we may have mentioned this once before, but, uh, Tony Gilroy is the, uh, is he the executive, produ the producer or yeah, the director? Might, I think he's the director of all the episodes, um, but it, maybe he's even called the creator. I can't remember if he's maybe the showrunner. Yeah. The writer. But anyway, he's basically, his fingerprints are all over the show. He was also, um, very much responsible for Rogue One and um uh he, i mean it just shows that when you get like it's a lot a lot of the success of a television show is actually about getting really good competent people to work on it because it's it's not it doesn't have the same dna as other stories uh, i mean there's great there's other good star wars out there but this has a completely separate like dna um the writing, the uh, the film, like the filmmaking, the cinematography, the like you mentioned, the score. One thing that's interesting to me uh, is um, how the episodes all end. Uh, every one of them, there's no like, it's not like tied off or anything like that, where an episode has a beginning, middle, and an end. Uh, that's kind of how the three episode arcs tend to work. Is one of them will just end at a particular point in the scene or a story. And it's not like, it's not necessarily like a end point or a landmark, but the, the way they end it, it's done at a specific point. You'd have to watch one of the episodes and, and sort of see what I'm talking about, I guess, but it's done at a specific point to leave you sort of thinking like at a moment when you're meant to sort of reflect on something that's just happened. Yeah, like episode nine, the one before the most recent one. Oh yeah, uh, ended with uh, Asian Candor basically. You know, he had just been introduced to the whole mechanism of the prison he's in, and uh, shown the work that he has to do, and 
now he's faced with doing that work, and that the episode just ends. We don't know any, at that point. That wasn't the that previous was, that one. Was that was the eight. That was the one prior to this one. The one, the previous one was when the guy died in the tunnel. Yeah, when they learned what happened at level two. Oh, yeah, and you're right. Because he right. had been asking, uh, oh, what's his name? But those are both great like, examples. Keith, was it? Keith. Uh, yeah. Keef. Oh, uh, oh. Like, what, how many guards are on each level? And he would never answer because he's like, look, I just want to get right. out of here. And then at the end, when he realizes I'm never getting out of here, he says no more than 11 or something like and, that. And, and uh, just sort of just to uh, uh, sort of extrapolate what you were saying, Jesse, what, what, what we don't ever see is sort of asking uh, Cassian Andor's um, sort of acceptance of his situation and his sort of integration into the resistance of his situation. Then, I mean, he, one episode he arrives at the prison, he, he seems out of sorts and like afraid of the situation. The next episode, he's, he's already working he's on part- escaping. Yeah, he's participating in the the the, the escape process. Uh, we we don't see that he just is. Well, they had a they had a jump cut in episode eight of six months. He shows up, and he's just learning. And then, right. in a blink of an eye, six months later, he's integrated into the workforce, and he's already working on that escape plan by going into that room and starting to cut on that pipe. And he's talking to the guy, uh, one one of the guys, about oh how the railing doesn't seem to be connected to the yep. the grid, and it has a new plan. And then there's that guy that's doing the hand signals to the people in the other tunnels. Yeah, I mean he's he's like fully into it by that point. And at the end of that episode, that's episode nine. Uh, he's talking to Keith, the 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 head of the day shift, um, uh, about you know how many guards are there, and we see that he's not fully committed. Well, well the, you know, the, that, that changes at the end of the episode, basically. And I mean, and, and then episode 10, the latest one, uh, we see the result of that and then they, they escape. Well, some of them escape anyway. And so just the, the, the character development happening in these episodes is like more than we've seen in almost any of the Star Wars movies themselves. It's just insane what's yeah. going on. The storytelling, I think, is at like, like, not like maximum levels. I mean, I, I, it's just... Of all the Star Wars, <laughs> I, I'm super impressed is what I'm getting at. Yeah. Uh, more so than The Mandalorian, which I think up until uh, Andor was the best Star Wars media of any kind. Uh, it, uh, Andor, I think, takes it to the next level. The thing that I've noticed about Andor is that Tony Gilroy did something that has never been achieved before with Star Wars, where you have you have a franchise that has so much invested within production design and sound design and even score music you have this rich library like i don't know if any of you guys caught it we were we were joking before the podcast about that conversation that han had in (laughs) episode one that comm device that he used the the microphone whatever that he was talking into that was what they used for the microphone that was that they used on each level in Andor. Oh, you mean the Death Star? Everything's good here. Everything's good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, How you, are you? You mean that uh, vertically oriented double microphone? Yes. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it's the same design. So you have this. You have this rich history to pull from. The only thing that is lacked in Star Wars ever has been the writing. That's the one weak point of the Star Wars, and Tony Gilroy elevated that. And and brought it to a level where you have these epic monologues by Andy Serkis. That's right. the guy I was trying to think of. And and Skarsgård. 
in this last episode, you have two brilliant monologues where you have nothing but the camera focused on him and and he is delivering lines and they deliver them the deli- the delivery is excellent yep. but the the writing itself is such a of such a high quality that it it just it is it is you know game of thrones level writing which is anyway yeah yeah the, uh, i think andor the series is sort of the peak it's peak star wars at least uh, of anything we've seen anytime recently, I I hope. Oh, go ahead, Jesse. Oh, I was just gonna say, um, it, it's not exactly germane to the the show itself or um, uh, you know, any particular thoughts or or critique of it, but it instantly falls into a category of television and movies that includes such things as. Um, the Dark Knight, uh, for me, The Dark Knight, the Lord of the Rings trilogy, um, the most recent, the Batman uh, um, movie, and uh, this, and there's probably a couple other things, but the, the category which I'm uh, referring to are all, uh, probably some The Matrix movies also, I think, uh, they're all um, excellent movies and, and film and television in their own right. But what they are is movies and TV that I can put on and close my eyes and lay down and listen to while I'm going to sleep. And that will, the just the sound of is not necessarily like relaxing, but this, but the sound, uh, you can sort of watch the show without the picture. Uh, uh, these are, these are, uh, things that I have <laughs> that I find those, those movies all have in common. Yeah, I don't know why it is, but <laughs> well, having said all those things, is there anything else that you guys would like to say before we end this week's episode? Well, we've tried this sort of thing before uh, with mixed results, but I'm just going to throw it out there. Uh, I intend to watch. Wakanda forever before our next recording. <laughs> so be prepared for some information about that. Um, well, I'll save one of my two notes uh, for next time, but I would like to say um, I wouldn't be surprised by any outcome. <laughs> I've got some follow-up questions. <laughs> by any outcome? Any outcome. Well... Then there's that. We will see you all next week. Follow us at Antimatter Hour on Twitter and tweet us if you would be surprised by any outcome. How about this outcome?